Hey, where are all of my fellow procrastinators? Where you at? All my procrastinators, right? Like, proud of it. That's the thing about procrastinators, true procrastinators, is like, we're legit proud of it. We're like, yeah, you're right. I wait till the last minute. I get it done. I'm clutch, right? That's what I tell myself. I'm not a procrastinator. I'm just clutch, right? That's what I like to tell myself. You know, and this is something that, like, in my life, like, I have always procrastinated. Like, from day one till now, in year 30, I am master procrastinator, right? Like, if there was a master's degree in it, I would have it easy, like, and I would have got that program done in probably, like, two days, not two years, right, like, I had a book on, seriously, like, when I was a kid, right, uh, and I got to the age where I was somewhat responsible, I don't know that I ever really reached that, but when I got there, there was a time in my life where both of my parents worked, right, and so during the summer, they would leave me and my younger sister at home by ourselves, right, because Matt was responsible and could take care of my sister. The good thing about taking care of my sister on a side note is she just loved to watch Disney movies, so I just pushed her in a room with a bucket of popcorn, and she was fine. She just stayed there all day long, like never came out. She was a hermit. It was awesome, right? But mom and dad, typically mom, would give me like a task list of chores, like, hey, you need to get this done today before I get home, right? Like that was the ultimatum, like get these things done today before I get home. So like every good son, I would say, okay, mom, what time do you think you're going to be home, right? Because I just can't wait till you get home. Right? I just can't wait to see. No. What I wanted to know is that if mom got home at 5.30, then I calculated backwards, okay, how long would each chore take me to where I could do anything else I wanted to during the day? And then at 4.45, I knew I had 30 minutes to book it through the house, clean, sweep, vacuum, switch the laundry, do whatever I had to do, right, because mom was coming home at 5.15. And I knew, right, my mom was gracious and loving that if I didn't have the chores done, she beat me with a wooden spoon. And I did not want that wooden spoon beaten, right? Now, there's some other people in the room that can relate to wooden spoon beatings, I know, right? That Man, she'd get you, right? I see you. She'd get me right there. Golly, I still feel like my leg's quivering right now talking about it, right? So we have those things, and what would happen is, especially for us procrastinators in this room, there's this time, and it clicks, and we go, it's go time, right? Like, it's time. It's time to get this done. I've waited as long as I can, right? It's time. For those of you who aren't procrastinators that actually when it's, it's time to do something applies, good job. Keep doing that, okay, right? But I want to speak to you tonight from the subject of it's time. It's time. Because whether you're a procrastinator or whether you're actually organized and a planner and, and you're much more disciplined than those of us that are procrastinators in the room, right, it's time for us to deal with something, right? And that something is a three-letter word that's full of heaviness called sin. And so Psalm 51 is where we're going to be. So take your copy of God's Word, whatever you got, and turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. And we're going to read this very powerful, heavy, encouraging, healing, convicting psalm from David. Right? And so if you know anything about Psalm 51... David writes this psalm, is inspired to write this psalm by God after he has done what he has done with Bathsheba, right? And so we all know the story of David where he sees Bathsheba bathing, he brings her over, they make love, they have a baby, and then he brings his husband home from war, then he sends him back out to have him killed, right? And then Nathan the prophet shows up, and David is confronted with his sin, and he writes Psalm 51 after being confronted with his sin. 
And so, again, I told you a few minutes ago, and, and I'll remind you, like, this is a passage that God just broke me over this summer and has continued to walk me through. Like, about twice a week, I come back to this passage in my personal time and just, God, what is it? What else is it that you want to show me? What else is it? Because what God convicted me of this summer is that it's time for us as believers, it's time for me as a child of God to treat sin for what it is and treat it with the heaviness that it is and stop sweeping it under the rug and acting like sin's not a big deal. And that it's time for me to deal with the sin in my own life so that I can in turn lead my wife the way that I'm supposed to lead her. That I can in turn raise my son in the way that I need to raise him. In the way that I can be a friend to all of my fellow believers and a family member and a brother of Christ by showing everyone, not look at Matt, but look at what God can do in spite of my sin. But I'm not going to treat sin lightly and I'm not just going to go out and sin and do whatever I want to do because I want to bring glory to my Father because I love him that much. Because we understand that Jesus told us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if we truly do those things, if we truly love God with every fiber of our being, then there will not be a desire in us to sin. We'll actually in turn hate sin. But the problem is, is that we as believers really don't hate sin. We've become comfortable with it. That's what happened with David. He had become comfortable with his sin. But what we know about David now is he's a man after God's own heart. Even doing everything that he did, (laughs) he's still known as a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he dealt with his sin. And he wanted God to be made known, right? So let's get into the scripture. Because it's time. It's time that we deal with the sin. And we're going to see three reasons why it's time for us to deal with our sin. So verse 1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is a side note, not the first point, but I hope we hear the legit passion and brokenness of David in these verses. Have mercy on me, O God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly. Right? Have you ever been a moment in your life where, like, you knew you needed a shower? (laughs) Like, you were just like, you could smell yourself. There were things that were sticky, right? It was just bad, right? Like, you look down, there's dirt between your toes, and you're like, I I had socks and shoes on. How's there dirt there? Right? And you just know you need a, a bath right? And then you get that good bath, and that's a a pretty good feeling. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, when I got out of the shower this morning, I could smell just the, I was like, man, I smell good. (laughs) That's a good start. And then my day crashed from there. Uh, But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. But when we see this about wash me thoroughly, as much as a good shower, a good warm shower feels on a cold day, Thinking about our sin being washed thoroughly ought to be a good feeling for us and ought to be a motivating factor for us. Sometimes I think we lose the fact of being motivated to deal with our sin because we've just become so comfortable with it. Whatever we got to do. Sometimes we tend to look at others and say, well, I'm not as bad as them, so I'm okay. Or maybe we just say, well, maybe nobody will find out, and I'll just keep sinning. I'll keep doing my little pet sin. Or, you know what, 
I might even see what I'm doing as sin because it's just so comfortable to me. But what we have to realize before we get into the three reasons is that our heart is dirty and we need this mercy. You're like, thanks for the encouragement, bro. You're welcome. Our heart is dirty and we need mercy. And our heart has to be clean for us to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Because sin doesn't reflect Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus Christ is perfect. And he took on our sin, even though he didn't know sin. He knew no sin, but he made himself a servant to us and poured himself out on the cross so that we can turn around and live a life that's glorifying and honor to him so that other people can see him and come to know him. But the problem is, is that when they look at us, they don't see righteousness, they see sin. And they see sin that we don't care about. But if we as believers understand that it's time, it's time to deal with our sin. I think we'll really begin to see what God has in store for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Heaven's not just something that's coming. You know, we can experience the kingdom of God here, now, right now. But what we have to remember about heaven is that's where the presence of God is. And where the presence of God is, is perfection. Now understand, we're not going to go through all of life and not sin, right? Like, we're going to sin. But there should be a desire in us and a brokenness in us and a passion in us that when it happens, we know it immediately and we say, God, have mercy on me. Wash me thoroughly. Okay? Like I've known for about like three days since Trey asked me on like Saturday to take care of tonight that this is where we were going. Right? And this morning, man, I sinned. I'm not even going to lie. Like let me just tell you. I said I wasn't going to tell you this story, but I'm going to tell you this story. All right? So I'm at home with Luke, right? I have a 10-month-old son. His name's Luke. He is literally the best baby on earth, okay? Now, I'm not just saying that because I'm his dad. He's literally the best baby on earth, okay? So he was like half asleep, really kind of asleep, but he had had, you know, a dirty diaper, and it was smelling awful, and I had put it off long enough. So I put Luke on my bed because that's where he likes to sleep now all of a sudden, which is great for, for me, not really. But anyway, so I put him on the bed this morning. It's about 7.30, 8 o'clock. We had just gotten back. We went to breakfast with a football coach at UNA, and we come back, and he was ready for his little morning nap, and so I put him down on the bed. I'm going to go get a diaper, and as I grab a diaper, I hear thud. He had rolled off the bed. No lie. And in the sheer moment of panic, I said some words, running to my kid. (laughs) I can't. I'm just being as transparent as I can be with all of you. I am screaming out words as I'm turning the corner into my bedroom and see him face first on the ground, screaming, and pick him up, and blood's coming from his nose, and here comes some more words. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm staring at my 10-month-old baby boy, saying these words, and then God hits me, you're preaching about sin tonight, buddy, and I'm sitting there, no lie, I'm wiping, I'm trying to stop his nose from bleeding, I'm screaming, God, wash me thoroughly, please, and stop this baby's nose from bleeding. But seriously, wash me thoroughly, because I can't go to these people tonight and give your word knowing that I just dropped some bombs. (laughs) we have sin inside of us but it's time to take care of it and my kid's okay by the way some of you I know probably worried about that he's fine we never even had to take him to the doctor he's a champ seriously he's a lot tougher than I am thank goodness um so and he went to work with me all day because I was shook um not even gonna lie I was I was mad shook um and so then this afternoon I began studying and seriously prayed those, those verses and God's peace just begins to overwhelm when we think about that. 
But then it just reminded me that it's time for us to deal with our sin. So let's look at the reasons why. Verse 3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, and my mother conceived me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. The first reason why we should deal with our sin is because it affects God. And really, we could stop there and shut it down tonight. Because when we understand that our sin affects a holy God who sent his son to die for us because of this very reason, because we know my sin is ever before me in verse 3, because we know in verse 5 that I was brought forth in iniquity, thanks to Adam and Eve, we were born into sin. We were born with a fleshly nature. It is deep within us. But verse 4, in all the power against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. When we understand our sin affects God, it legitimately hurts God when we sin. And I know you all, and I know you're not signing up. You don't want to sign up to hurt God. Like, you don't wake up in the morning and go, God, I'm going to get you today. It's who we are. But just because it's who we are doesn't mean we have to accept it and just go with it and accept it as normal. We should understand that who we are and how holy he is and that he calls us to holiness. You understand that, right? God calls us to holiness. He says, be holy, for I am holy. That's not just a suggestion, right? That's not just God saying, hey, if you feel like it this weekend, be holy. No, he's saying every single moment of our lives we should be holy because he is holy. And sin is not holy. I know you know that, but I just think I had to be reminded of that. And yet we just casually treat sin and we sweep it under the rug and we act like it's, it's just okay. It's just who I am. It's what I do. It's my struggle. It's what I just, you know, I just can't seem to not do it. I think it's because we've taken the weight off of it and we've just started treating it loosely. And we've forgotten about the fact that our God who loves us and our God who saves us and our God who desires a real personal intimate relationship with us is legitimately hurting every time we sin. Every time we step out on our own and step out in our pride and step out in our flesh, it affects God. I think if we realized that and understood that, then it might motivate us to actually deal with the sin, to actually maybe let go of the sin, to maybe actually hit our knees in brokenness like David and cry out, have mercy, oh God. Please have mercy. I know I've broken your heart, but please wash me thoroughly. Clean me. Blot out my transgressions. Forget about them, God, even though you really shouldn't. He paid it all for us. Not so that we can sin evermore and just live in abundance of sin, but he paid it all so that we would be so broken over our sin and realize he left it on the cross. When he got off the cross and walked out of the tomb, the only thing that came out was him and victory. He didn't come out dragging a bag behind him with our sin in it. It's dead. It's dead. We don't go dig up dead things. That would be weird, and it's a crime. So why do we do that with our sin? Why do we run to the tomb of Jesus and walk up in there, push his burial clothes away, and say, ah, there's my sin, yes. 
going against everything that he did for us, and it affects him. It breaks his heart, and that should move us to understand that it's time to deal with our sin. It's time to have our transgressions blotted out. The second thing we need to see is that it affects our relationship with God. Verse 7, purge me with his ship, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. You hear this brokenness? David literally feels like he's in physical pain over his sin. When was the last time any of us, myself, were physically hurt over the sin in our lives? Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The brokenness calls us to cry out to God for cleanliness. And when we understand this and we begin to really pray for change, and we understand that that prayer for change starts with asking God what He wants us to pray for, what He wants us to change, we understand that our sin affects our relationship. David said, renew a right spirit within me. David is admitting, hey, God, at one point I was with you. My spirit was in tune with you. I was walking step in step. And we know that, right? David defeated Goliath as a young boy. That was before he ever stepped into sin with Bathsheba, way before. When he stood before a giant and said, in the name of God, I come to knock you down, cut your head off, and take all your brothers with me. In the name of the Lord of hosts, he says in Samuel 17. This is the same guy now that's saying, clean me. Renew a right spirit within me. What we should understand is that our sin affects our relationship with God. Isaiah 59, I said to me, it separates us from God. It creates a division. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to be away from God. I want to be wrapped up in him all the time. David says the same thing. Don't cast me from your presence, God. Please keep me in close. I need to be with you because I've understood that my, sal- my salvation is real and my salvation is true, but my sin has caused me to lose the joy of my salvation. Think about the moment you truly gave your life to Christ. Like you may not know the exact day and time, and that's fine, but you remember a time in your life when you, it, was, it changed. If you're a child of God, you understand what I'm talking about. That moment was full of joy. Am I right? Like, hallelujah. Like, (laughs) there's been no greater peace, no greater joy than the time that I knew that God washed me thoroughly. (laughs) Right? Like, I remember the day after, because it was late one night when I gave my life to Christ, I went the next day, and the first thing I told my teacher was, (laughs) I got saved last night. (laughs) I can't remember the last time I walked up to somebody and said, hey, by the way, I'm a child of God. Hey, by the way, God's changed my life. Can I talk to you about it? Because I'm just so excited about it. You know why I'm not excited about it? Because I've allowed sin to creep into my life, and I've allowed sin to take over every essence of my being instead of the joy of my salvation and knowing that I'm a child of God and that when God looks at me because of the blood of Jesus, he sees his son. Thank goodness God looks at me and sees Jesus Christ and not Matt Daniels. (laughs) Because there would be no hope if he looked at me and saw Matt Daniels. None. But he looks at me and sees the robe of white righteousness clothed on me by his son. And he says, that's my child. And I love him. Man, that fills me with, like, that legitimately fills me with joy talking about it. Right? And those of you, who, again, who are children of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it should fill you with joy too, knowing it's the same thing for you. 
but yet we sin. And we just keep walking in it. And we keep acting like the walking in sins that are called out in God's word, whether it be sin of gossip or sin of anxiety or sin of, you know, drunkenness or sin of walking in our own or sin of sexual immorality, sin of pride, sin of lying, sin of stealing, sin of whatever it is that we deal with. We act like it's no big deal. Or we act like, oh, God will forgive me. And you know what? He will. But there should be a deeper burden in our life to say, this is not right. This is not what God wants for me. David said, create a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Those are things that are done of God, not of me. And we are called to be of God. There's real brokenness here. And I think when we understand that it affects our relationship with God, we will be broken. But I think we as people, we're scared of brokenness. Because brokenness requires vulnerability. Brokenness requires transparency. Brokenness requires humility. Brokenness requires things that are extremely uncomfortable. But what comes after brokenness every single time is healing. That's why God calls us to be broken. That's why David is so broken, because he understands that he's hurt God, and he's hurt his relationship with God, and he's so moved that he's saying, I physically hurt. I need to be purged. Students, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when we become broken over our sin, God not only begins to heal us, he not only begins to restore the joy of our salvation, but he opens our eyes. To see things like he does. It puts a different desire in our hearts. It puts a desire to say, God, you know what? I don't want the things of the world. We've been going through pearls for pigs, right? We've been talking about idols in our lives and things that we can do. What happens is, is that the reason why idols get in is because really we've put ourselves in the throne where God should be. And so therefore we desire what we desire instead of desiring what God desires. And I'm telling you, God, in, just in listening to Pearls for Pigs, God's done some work in my life and brought me back to Psalms 51 to say, like, God, cleanse me of that. <laughs> Forgive me of that. And that first message when he came out with the achievement abyss, man, that one just hit me square between the eyes. Like, I even text her, I was like, thanks, bro, like my head hurts. <laughs> and I'm not like telling you about all my sin just to tell you about my sin or to brag on me or to make you think about me, but because God's really shown me that we kind of deal with sin, and one way to deal with sin is to talk about it. Have conversation over it. See who's having victory in it. Because there may be a sin you're struggling in that someone around you has victory in, and they can help you, but they can't help you if you don't ever open your mouth and talk about it. James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Let's stop walking around full of sin and start walking around full of healing so that we can in turn give healing to other people. Which is the third reason why we should take care of our sin and understand that it's time to deal with our sin because it affects the loss. So after David writes in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He says in verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. 
Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. My mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You understand our God wants us to be broken over our sin. He wants us to deal with it. He wants us to come to him, crying out to him, saying, God, please have mercy on me. God, please wash me clean so that we can in turn stand with our tongues and our mouth wide open saying, hallelujah, I've been bought by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah, I've been washed clean. Hallelujah, I'm white as snow. Hallelujah for the price of the lamb from the lion that he was willing to cover for me so that I can stand in victory and freedom from my sin. And we don't just do that to sing praises to God, but we do that so that people who are lost and don't know God can hear about it, see it, and desire it. And as it says in verse 13, sinners will return to God. But we're not seeing sinners return to God because we as believers aren't dealing with sin. Because you see, if we're not active in dealing with our sin, then we're passive about reaching the lost. And until we really understand the depravity of sin in our own life, we'll never truly care about the depravity of sin in someone else's life. And we can say all day long, yeah, I want to see lost people come to Christ. And yeah, I want to see my friend know Jesus. And I want to see my family member know Jesus. But my question is, is what are they seeing and hearing from you? Are they seeing and hearing someone who's comfortable just living in sin and living a hypocritical life? Or are they seeing and hearing someone that says, you know what, yeah, I'm messed up. I got a lot of flaws. I sinned this morning. I'm going to sin tomorrow because I'm a dummy, right? But I have a God who's bigger than all that and loves me, and I don't want to do those things, and I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to strive to be like him because I love him, and I love him so much that I want you to love him. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be like Paul and say, hey, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but it means I'm going to do my best to be like Christ, and I want you to know him because he can forgive you, and he can change you, and he can love you, and he can forgive you, and he can heal you, and you can walk in freedom. But we can't do those things, brothers and sisters, if we're not walking in that freedom and that victory. Our sin affects the loss. Our sin could hinder someone else from knowing Jesus. <laughs> wow. When God hit me with that over the summer, I don't want to be the reason someone doesn't come to know Jesus. I don't. But every time I allow sin to just be casual, I'm saying, you know what? I am okay if someone doesn't come to know Jesus. Because I'd rather do it my way. I'd rather be content with being mad at Daniels instead of understanding Verse 17, where it says, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. You understand our God loves when we come to him saying, God, I need you. When we do what we just sang about and legitimately turn and run to the Father and fall into his grace. When we say, you know what, I'm done hiding, God. I'm done. I need a friend. And you know what he says every time? Welcome home. I love you. I'm proud of you. I forgive you. Here's some more of my mercy and some more of my grace and some more of my freedom. And then he asks us a question. 
Will you not abuse it this time? Instead, will you take advantage of it and take it to the people around you? <laughs> Be like in verse 15, O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. It's easier to declare praise when we're not walking in sin. When we understand this, when we understand that our sin affects God, affects our relationship, and ultimately affects the lost people around us, I think it'll motivate us, should motivate us, to say, okay, I want to deal with my sin. I want to take care of it. I want to walk a life that reflects the glory of God, right? So that in the end, when we see him, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. We all like hearing those words, right? Right now we like hearing those things. We like hearing people come up to us and say, hey, good job. Hey, that was awesome. Hey, well done. Right? Think about how much more it's going to mean when God looks at us and says, well done. But if we don't deal with sin, we're not doing our part. Hebrews 12 talks about us to lay aside the sin which clings so closely to us and run with endurance to the founder and perfecter of our faith. So can I encourage you? Let's deal with our sin. Let's treat it with the heaviness that it is. And that doesn't mean walk with a burden. That means treat it with the heaviness and the motivation to say, I don't want that garbage. I want more of my Jesus. I want more of my God. I want to live like him. I want to be like him. I want to see people with compassion. I want to speak in grace and mercy. I want everything I do to come from a seat of love so I can speak with truth, so I can walk in grace, so I can hand out praises and freedom and victory to everyone, and so that people around me can ultimately come to know the same forgiveness that I get to live in. Those of you who are believers, you understand this. When we lay down tonight and close our eyes, we don't fear death. Because if you know what, we don't wake up on earth tomorrow, <laughs> I'm waking up with Jesus. <laughs> Sign me up for that. But if that don't motivate you enough, can I encourage you to find a little motivation, whatever it is? This is going to be really cheesy, right? So I have Psalm 51 bookmarked with this little purple... It was off of a UNA pom-pom. That about two weeks ago, I was trying to read over this passage, and my beautiful 10-month-old son was ripping the pom-pom into little pieces like this. Right? He was making a mess. And I was just letting him have at it because he was having the time of his life. Right? So I clean it up. Right? This afternoon, he's taking a nap in my office, and so I'm going to break open, and I'm going to study and this happened to be laying right in the middle of Psalm 51. And God simply spoke and said, if I'm not motivation enough, at least let that baby boy be motivation. See, God puts things in your life and people in your life to try to motivate you to be even more like him. Because he loves us that much. He continues to put things in our path to say, hey, I love you so much. Please love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Please. So can I encourage you, stop sweeping sin under the rug. Remember the joy of your salvation. Love your God enough to say, I don't want to hurt him today. 
I want to walk in the joy and freedom of my salvation so that the people around me can come to know Jesus. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.